Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part: the cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph/payrollstartermonthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode, so click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io/hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also by IdeaSpace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. IdeaSpace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org/connect. Also by AWS, the world's most comprehensive and broadly adopted cloud platform. Apply to get $1,000 free hosting credits and get a chance to win an Amazon Echo Dot at hustleshare.com/aws now. For us, we wanted to be able to do almost any type of storage for anyone so that we could see what works. Welcome to Hustleshare. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here is your host, Ronster Betion. Welcome to episode one ten of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by B21. A platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. We are a proud affiliate of the Podcast Network Asia. But before we begin, we'd like to remind you that this podcast contains not fit for work language, so make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we're going to be talking about a startup that is actually solving a growing urban problem in the Philippines. To tell us the hustle behind it will be their founder, Mr. Nick Padilla of Kahon.ph. Now, before Nick shares the innovation that they're actually doing in Kahon.ph. 
he will share how he started out as a photographer in Zalora and how he was able to climb up the ranks and became a manager there. And then he'll also share what it was like working with his dad when he became an integral part of Rockwell's digitalization. And then he will also share what led him to create Cajon.ph during a vacation and how he managed to create a company with his co-founder that he met at the beach. And just like most startups, they made key mistakes and he will be sharing what those were and how they were able to pivot to a sustainable business model that allowed them to scale and transition even through the pandemic. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind Cajon.ph, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We finally got this guy. You know, I always say this. It's like fucking Groundhog Day. I always say, we finally got someone. Like, But I, I, real talk, I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for the longest time. The last time I saw him was earlier this year. So, um, And it yeah. was in a talk in Common Ground, was it? Yeah, Common Ground. Common Ground. Correct. Uh, to, to, you know, facilitate this, this uh, talk about sustainability i don't know why they still got me because i have no idea about sustainability i just eat the shit that i like but again before we're do before i over talk again let's welcome to the show nick padilla of cajon thank you thanks for having me ron bro how's it going time. yes holy shit wait is it cajon or cajon.ph what's the proper uh how do you ph um Cajon.ph is pretty much what everyone calls us, uh, okay. but Cajon, I'm cool with Cajon because I guess it stands out, so branding-wise, it's still the same, uh-huh. but Cajon.ph, that's the original. All right, then yeah. let's call it Cajon.ph then. My bad. I'm going to call it uh, as that. That's so, good. Uh, bro, I'm, I'm happy that you're here. Um, I'm very, very uh, you know, interested to actually know because I, I, I've known about you for, for a while now. But I've never got a chance, aside from that that talk that we did earlier this year, to to really dissect what you do. But that was still very shallow. I f- I feel like I didn't really get to dissect what you what you did because uh, I remember when we were doing the talk, the the roof was leaking. <laughs> the other side. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah, there was a typhoon happening. Yeah, and there was a yeah, fucking oh God, leak right. on the roof. Like what the hell, right? It's like shit. Is this gonna fuck us up? Oh my now? God, that's right. <laughs> But hey, uh, we're here now, and I'm very happy to have you. But just like every other episode, I need to ask you the million-dollar question, Nick. Nick, what's your hustle? Okay, so Kohon.ph is my hustle. That's pretty much what we do. And what Kohon.ph does is we deliver storage to anyone, anywhere in the easiest way possible. Um, That's really a good way to describe it because delivering storage is kind of foreign to people, right? You usually go and do it. So that's what we do. We kind of take away the the inconvenience of everything. And we're just trying to innovate that storage solution for people and simplify it um, in the easiest way possible. That's it. Okay. So let's talk as if I don't know what the, what Cajon does. So what does, what do you exactly do? So when you say uh, simplifying storage and, and moving things around, is it, uh yeah. last mile is it are you com- are, is it like the lala moves to the world is it like you know what exactly do you do what's the value proposition 
So pretty much any of your clutter, whether you're at home or at the office, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we store that. Um, so especially now with with the setup of being work from home, you have to right. kind of have all this. You're surrounded by all your clutter, right? Mm-hmm. So any of that clutter that you might not need right now, okay. you can store it with us. So we store everything from the ten maletas that all Filipinos have in their house to <laughs> you know wedding dresses that are just kind of kept in the closet, yeah. or even yearbooks. You have a bunch of that. And then my oh, favorite shit. is all of the BIR required documents for offices. So we oh, literally man. have you know warehouses filled with that because wow, where are you going to put it? Um, so all of that, we we store it and we take care of the logistics because what we realized is that before COVID, it was a hassle because of all the traffic to actually go to the warehouses and yeah. everything. But now it's locked down here, locked down there. Mm-hmm. But on top of it, it was really the inventory. No one was really, it was tedious to take care of it. Everyone had some manong who knew where everything was. And if that guy yeah. retired, you know, you got to figure it out from scratch. Got so it. that's where we come in. We're the first to have this you know, cloud inventory management system for everyone to use. Um, mm-hmm. And we just simplify it by acting as, you know, the logistics guy. But we partner with the likes of Move, Transportify and everything so that they take care of the transportation. We take care of the packing and the storage itself. Got it. And the storage is going to be in your warehouse. So you also have your own physical warehouse where basically, um, you know, all, all, of the, all of the things that was, was, was again, uh, routed to you will then be stored in your facility yeah. is it and the only way to access it is through the cloud or can they physically go to your warehouse and check you know that old wedding no. uh, so, address okay yeah yeah so they don't have to they don't go to the warehouse we do have some business clients where they'll want to go and actually take care of their stuff but most of the personal clients or the b2c clients you know it's out of sight out of mind so we take care of the delivery they just take care of it on their dashboard but we actually don't have our own warehouse. We actually don't have our own truck. Um, Got it. You know, we've maintained asset light, you know, kind of lifestyle. Um, but we partner with everything. So mm-hmm. we are the grab of storage, but we're also sort of like the Airbnb of warehousing. You know, if you have space, we wow. can kind of fill it up. Um, so that's been a new sort of pivot lately with COVID, right? There's so many people who have space, whether it's function halls or yeah. badminton courts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if if we can assess it and figure out terms that works for both parties, then we'll put it on our network, and, and that, then we kind of start filling it up. And that makes a lot of sense because I can imagine how capital extensive it would be to how rent your own warehouse or put up your own warehouse, yeah. do your own logistics. When in reality, we're in the on-demand eco- economy, and the only thing that really bridges that together is really good software. Correct. All right. Yeah. Now, so I let them do the good thing, and we take care of storage. Correct, but that's the that's the missing piece majority of the time because without the right, right um, software, dude, everything is manual. So I tried moving out. I I lately just one was this fucking couple months ago. So the house that I stay in, where I grew up in for like twenty plus years, we were renting that, and then we couldn't stay there anymore because I recently bought a house. Right uh, when Chatbot BH got acquired. Um, I said, there's no sense fucking renting this place. Nobody's the only ghosts are residing here now. Okay, I don't want yeah. no ghosts in with my shit. And again, yeah. it's just getting dirty. I physically moved whatever I couldn't let go of to a storage storage mart. I think storage mart was the name. Yeah, storage yeah, mart. Storage mart. Uh, near my near my place. It was literally two blocks away, but it was hell fucking moving shit out. So imagine. Right. 
had I just remembered fucking shit, why didn't I not remember Kahon? I wouldn't have had got to fucking hurt myself over at least like four to five weekends over that. But before uh, we talk about Kahon more, um, Nick, you've been hearing this podcast for a while now. I need to flick yeah. something because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. Let's do it. Oh, dude. Can, I can fit multiple Kahons. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be intergalactic, Cajon, I can be your provider. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, so let's go all the way back because you know, just like every uh, hustler that I've had in, in in the show, I need to understand how you were built. Right. So walk me through, you know, growing up. Is it is there any inklings or inclinations towards entrepreneurship or any previous hustle that you did while you were young that really sticks out that you know I guess um, was was still uh apparent especially now that you're doing you're being an entrepreneur i think well growing up i kind of always had the corporate lifestyle my dad is actually the president of rockwell so i grew up with the rockwell culture i grew up with that in mind so i was kind of Mm -hmm. seeing all of that and i guess at a young age um i kind of i knew that i didn't want to be like my dad i didn't like the structure i didn't want to wear a tie and all of that stuff Funnily enough, I ended up working for Rockwell uh, yeah. for some time. Yeah. But prior to that, I, you know, my first job was with Zalora. That's where I met Brian Ku and I, you know, but you have all of these like-minded individuals who, you know, ended up kind of going in the this industry and, and kind of doing things, making an impact, disrupting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of seeing that intrigued me. So I think that's kind of where I started dabbling a little bit. Like I, I uh, would... You know, it's kind of, I think a little bit after Zalora, I started, I, I worked with my friends on Felipe and Sons. Um, oh, wow. So that was kind of my first start of, of things mm-hmm. and kind of seeing how that grew. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think after, when I was, actually when I got pregnant, well, my wife got pregnant, not me. Oh, you got pregnant? How did that pregnant. happen? <laughs> I got pregnant, bro. When I was a little girl. That's when it happened a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> it's like, wow, you're, you, you yeah. are... <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, around that time, like I knew that I knew the business model of of Kohan, but I wasn't logistics or anything like yeah, that. But yeah. when my wife got pregnant, that's kind of when I felt the urgency to try and do something on my own. Got it. So you know, my dad told me like you can either be like me, where you're gonna have to call your, my secretary to find out if I'll be home for dinner, or you can be someone like Brian Koo who schedules meetings closer to his kids and everything like that. Correct. Um, and. I'd never done anything on my own. Felipe was with a group of friends. You know, other right. things that I was doing at the time were also with a group of friends. But um, so Kohan was that. It was that challenge. Mm-hmm. Let's see if this works, ride or die kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it all stemmed from that, coming from Zalora and just being around this startup, this kind of Correct. this pioneering team that's trying to figure it out and just build something from scratch. And, yeah. and that kind of really always stuck with me and intrigued me. And Zalora again, I've I've had multiple former ex Zalora people and the 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 yeah. main dude of them all too, Paulo Campos, several episodes ago. So if you want to understand yeah. that point of view, but I understand, uh, yeah, and I want to understand also from your point of view because a lot of the Zalora people, and again, Paulo himself said that you know 
it was a crazy ride as at the very first uh, years. Now I want to understand the things you learned from that from that experience because if it really you know stuck with you, that must have been something really amazing for you to to uh, to you to you know, want to have that same yeah. taste of of you know the startup life. I started off as a photographer. I was shooting Crocs, man. I was shooting oh, wow. <laughs> that was that was that was when I started off. Paulo had me at Barcino and offered me a job as a photographer. And I was always creative. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. So I jumped in that. And you know, over time I just kind of got curious with the business side. So I started working my way up to do a little bit more creatives and trying to tie it in with the analytics that was coming. Like all of this was foreign to me. I didn't learn any of that in in college or anything so i started getting into you know how does creatives relate to google analytics and everything that's kind of where i would, would really work with with martin and ari because like martin was a lot on the business development side ari was really on the you know the merchandise the buying side mm-hmm. so you got to see all of this moving and, and working and um that's really where my appetite kind of grew from um got it. Because I went literally from production to kind of moving on. I, I went from the literal basement of that spa building yep. to like the third floor. So I moved on up literally. And, um, <laughs> nice. But it's, it's, it was a trip and, and it, it kind of created, you know, I guess it set the path for, for me. Because mm-hmm. like till now I, I make I make Brian cool, you know, cool it all the time. Like I just yeah. talked to him the other day actually just to kind of see what's up. Nice. Um, so you keep those connections and, and you just keep on getting inspired by them. But there you just see all these people hustling. Like it was a hustle correct, correct. day in, day out, but it was a lot of fun. It was cool. So from being a photographer to your last uh, role, which here on LinkedIn, you says on-site manager, how fast yeah. did that grow? Cause I always t- talk about this in the podcast, right? Uh, and, and now I put my own quotes in the podcast. My team does. By the way, it's not me. If you're fucking cringing on my shit, I don't write my own quotes. It's, it's what I say here, and they just fucking dissect it up. Um, what 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 now happens is that in a in a in a startup, right? That growth can be super fast, and it's only yeah. up to you how you want to fucking get it. Because the sky literally is the limit. Literally, from photographer at the basement of the fucking building, all the way to yes, that. How did you? Um, you know, achieve so much in such a short time because this is this is what the picture the picture I want to uh, paint. That in a typical corporate environment, it would take you three, four, five years just to get a, a significant promotion. Yeah, right? right. Whereas in a startup, dude, it's on you for real. Right. You know, one of the things that my dad always drove into me growing up it's that it's it's not how good you are; it's how good you want to be, and. Honestly, when you're in a startup, you everyone has to kind of be a multi-tool, right? You're figuring stuff out. You're literally building something out of nothing. And there's going to be opportunities for you to wear a different hat, to learn something new, to take on the challenge. And I think that's what happened to me. We had all of these photographers and all of a sudden they were like, hey, we need someone that will do a little bit of like there was literally a job opening from right. Rocket Internet saying like, oh, you guys need this kind of role. Who wants it? And it could have been any one of us. And then I was just like, hey, I'll. I'll do it. Um, Correct. But it just, you know, I took that on and then I kind of learned. And so I think that's what's nice about startups is that you're right. You know, it's it's up to you. You kind of have to see those opportunities. But in startups, you have a lot more of those. Like you'll see yeah. them a lot. You'll see gaps in the process. You'll see, you know, roles that are missing. And um, it's on you to kind of put on that hat and take on that challenge and kind of learn it along the way. And that's literally what happened with me. Um, it's, you know, just 
seize that opportunity. It could have been any of us. Luckily, mm-hmm. it, it was me. And then just moved up from floor to floor until, yeah. you know, I kind of uh, yeah. started learning more about the website, how it works mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but yeah, it's a grind, man. It's always just got to be, you got to grind to get better. It's never going to stop. Correct. And a lot, uh, here's the thing. Uh, I I kind of built uh, my teams like that too. Number one, because it's cheaper to develop in-house rather than to pirate and poach people who's going to ask for three times the rate, right? Uh, the second yeah. thing <laughs> is that even at the, the most basic uh, job, say an intern, you have the chance to contribute to the team, which, in, which is yeah. impactful. Right. Um, yeah. I like right now in in Chatbot PH, my head of operations was my former intern. She was a part time nice. student, and uh, yeah. now who moved up the ranks. And then I cannot I cannot run businesses without her anymore. And a lot yeah. more followed through that same mold. Like for an intern becoming head of sales, head of whatever. Yeah. Because it's it's like yeah, being a small I have market a couple team. Of interns too. Yeah, like being a small market team in the NBA, you're like the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? You can't oh, afford to oh. buy. Uh, you need to stockpile on draft picks, okay, and work yeah, through the do. draft. Because if not, then you're gonna have to buy people. Which again, in a startup, you don't really have that ability to do it. You so, uh, again, sky's the limit. Now, after Zalora, what what did you do next? Because again, you went through the ranks, went all the way to the top floor. But why did you leave? What did you do next? I think, well, at the time, um, my dad kind of was talking to me and, and was saying, he was sharing with me how he was wanting to digitize Rockwell and, and, and all of that. So that really intrigued me. I thought, you know, it's something that I'm getting good at, something that I know, um, okay. something that um, I can explore. And I guess it was always a part of me. Like, I didn't want to be corporate, but I always wanted to make an impact on something my dad built, right? So helping Rockwell, adding value to it was... Mm-hmm. Something that I, I was interested in. Um, okay. It was hard. It was hard to go into Rockwell being, you know, the son of the boss. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you work. You, you know, you work for the respect. You work the ranks, and, and you right. do what you got to do. But it was, it was tough, man. It, it's hard to do digital. In it's hard to have the startup mindset for digital in a corporate structure, and right. you don't see a lot of the success, mm. like because you can't fail as fast. As you can in in a startup, right? You fail right. fast, you learn fast, you get back up. But mm-hmm. man, you fail in corporate. It's like you you failed, and then you kind of suck it up, and you come right. in the next day, and you go the grind again. So it yeah. that was demoralizing. I mean, we saw some lights of success and, and all of that, but um, that's ultimately was kind of eating me up and led me down the path to Kohan eventually. All right. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's talk more about what that experience was in Rockwell. And then let's talk about how you built Baxes in Cajon and how that was born. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at PH, the country's biggest SaaS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Nick Madilia of Cajon, who <laughs> now told us, dude, that would have been, you know, um, so hard going from Zalora, who's extremely fast-paced, very a startup as startup can be, and then, you know, have to work with your father, in Rockwell, who again, there's nothing wrong. Here's the thing: there's nothing wrong with with old businesses doing their legacy work because if it ain't broke, they don't fix it. They're mo- we're worth billions of dollars yeah. and whatnot. But and now it's just just like how in the Dude, pandemic, yeah, everybody is now forced to be digital because that's the only way you can actually make money. But back then, when it was just an option or it was just a big word being thrown around, what were the challenges you had to overcome? Because you, you mentioned it prior to the break that uh, yeah. there, there, there's bureaucracy you have to, to overcome. There's politics and everything else in between. Yeah. Um, and you still have to deliver. How, how did you overcome that? And what were the things that, you, that, that stuck through? Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard, but all of that, the, you know, going up the chain of command and, and not really having the support to, because it's hard to prove a concept, especially a digital concept in, in the corporate structure of things, right? Um, you know, luckily, I, I got to build stuff like the online booking, uh, online ticketing for the cinema. So that was a huge success when yep. <laughs> when we could go to the cinema. Um, but Oh, that was you. Holy you know, shit. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Now yeah, I don't have to welcome. go all the way back. Um, so that was... They'll go all the way to the fifth, yeah. to the top so, floor of Rockwell Power Plant Mall, just to get. Yeah. <laughs> I can book it. Yeah, right. It. You you want to deliver those those little conveniences. You want to add value to things, but there are certain things like, um, you know, there's two other projects that I was really working closely on, and that was kind of creating that e-commerce platform for the for the mall for Power Plant Mall, mm. um, and then the other one was Hello Rockwell, which is sort of like a concierge service for the residents, the community, right? Okay. Both of those have versions of them now right post covid they developed it it's rolling because there is a need for it but during the time it was you know it was literally a different world from what it is now Mm -hmm. um it didn't do anything to the bottom line of the company it's it's hard to get that backing or that support or even that runway 
to sort of fail and kind of show how you tweak it and, and create, you know, pivot, pivot yeah. the, the direction, pivot things to go a certain way. And I think ultimately that's, that's kind of what drove me to really explore doing something on my own. Right. Cause I, I felt like a lot of the times you get inspired by an idea and, and something's going that way, but bounds and, and, um, it's hard because, like you know, when you have a startup, it, it runs on the creativity, it runs on a back and forth, it runs right. on a constant, you know, revision almost. Right? So that's the hardest part because there they're looking for perfection because they've done it already. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, there's nothing wrong with it. I love the culture of Rockwell, it taught me so much. But mm-hmm. when you're trying to build something for the digital and have that startup mindset, it's just, it's not conducive for it. And I think. At the right. time, so many of the other, you know, retailers, whether it's SM, Robinsons, they were all trying stuff. But yeah. I think it's the same problem. It just couldn't get that same traction because of the limitations of the setup. Correct. And again, it's 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 the uh, it's that painful transition of changing your business model and your core and being in being tech first. Um, and a lot of it, bro. At the end of the day, and I want to ask you this: How different? You mentioned a lot of. Um, what they we currently have or Rockwell has now was something you yeah. were trying to do uh, a few years ago, right? I'm pretty sure a lot of what you were trying to do back then is what they currently have now. But one thing that's different is timing. There always needs to be an inflection exactly. point exactly. where shit, okay, now we can try this. What is the exact same shit yeah. you were trying to do three years ago, four years ago, right? Um, yeah. It's all timing, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, now is the time to, for it. They, they, Correct. It, the world was ready for it. Correct. And um, a lot of startups... Then, mm-hmm. It was nice. Nice to have. Yeah. And a lot of startups yeah. are like that. You know, um, doing great shit, but it was too early for time or the the the, right. the the vast majority of users do not understand it yet. And then something just pops out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, it's a norm. Right? Um, that's... Look at e-commerce now. Right. Eight years ago, yeah, it was a nice yeah, thing to have. Exactly. But holy shit, everybody now is in e-commerce. It's like records broken every year on year on year, right? So again, inflection point every year, timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Now, timing is everything, especially in, in the startup room. Correct. So now I want to understand, uh, Nick, from from your point of view. So you said, all right, I don't want to do this anymore i need to go back in the grind and this is always the hardest part when you are gonna be the main dude yourself what how did the idea of cajon come about and how did you uh create the team uh or at least the 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 startup from scratch knowing uh what you tried to do in rockwell and again there's again the the big the big uh question is this the right timing too uh for this for something for like this to work yeah, I think with Kohan, when was that? That was around 2012, 2013. I was visiting my brother in San Francisco mm-hmm. and I saw the business model there in the US. Um, I guess because of my real estate exposure growing up, I knew that it was something that could work here in the Philippines. I knew that condos were getting smaller, space yeah. is a luxury, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, shit, I don't have any logistical background. I'm, I'm like, Mark, I'm a photographer. My first job is a photographer, right? Like, yeah. I don't know anything about warehouses, logistics. Right. So I sat on it and I, I would talk to my mentor, Brian Koo, about it. And he was really pushing me about it. But I was, 
Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is not something I know. So I really sat on it. And then around 2014, 2015, I was in Hong Kong and I saw the business model there doing really well. It was on all the taxis. It was called the box flow. And I was like, oh, damn. All right. It's only a matter of time before this comes to the Philippines. Correct. Um, and then around 2016, I was getting burnt out by all the corporate stuff um, in, in, in Rockwell. So, you know, my friend uh, and my wife, they, they took me to Balaire. And while I was there, I bumped into Carlos, my, my co-founder. And he was actually, a, you know, we, were, we knew each other from Ateneo. And he was living in Balaire at the time. So I went there and we got to serve and we were hanging out. And um, yeah, after a few beers or a lot of beers, we were talking about beers. what we did. A lot of beers. No, we were we were blasted. Okay, we were horns of beers. Um, there you go. Yeah. So we were we were super blasted, and I just asked him like, "Hey, what do you do?" And he said, "Yeah, my family's been in logistics for you know warehousing for like forty plus years." And I was like, wow. "Dude, I have this idea." Mm-hmm. And we started talking about it, and we had some more beers. And I, I, I shit you not, our wives and our and my friend, they thought that we were just, you know, drunk talk. Like nothing was going to come out of this and everything. Yeah. But it snowballed. We were so excited about it. But a week later, I was introducing him to Brian Koo and we were kind of mapping out how we did it. And wow. it was it was great because his family, like when I met his family, I did it during a lunch break of Rockwell. So I'm in a tie in a warehouse in Taguig. Everyone yeah. else is in like, you know, T-shirt, sandal, right. whatever. I'm in a Thai presenting and they ended up giving us like a 20 square meter room to prove the concept. And, wow. and we did. And to date, we're like over 2000 square meters, you know, managed by us. So it's, it's, That's amazing. it started there. It started all from, mm. from years in Belair and then <laughs> it just kind of grew. But we didn't know what we were doing. We really didn't know what the hell we were getting. We thought we could do it part-time. I was like, yeah, car, let's right. drive. I'll do the packing. Right. No, nope, it wasn't like that. It was, yeah, we had to, we soon had to kind of focus everything on it and make sure it was going. Got it. Now I want to understand the hustle in between the grind because at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So someone had to do, you had the logistics part of things. Uh, yeah. You you had to hustle and and push on with the idea, but it's not as easy as that. I'm pretty sure a shitload of things happened in between those. Like for example, oh, putting yeah. up the tech. How did you even create the tech? Because you know that's the that's the that's the one thing that will hold things together uh, and the, ba- right. the the idea um, will not work if you don't have a functional tech. Just, I think Carlos was talking to them, but um, DevBox, they were our, our developers and actually until now they work with us. So um, okay. like Brian Reyes, he, he's, he's working with us in terms of that, but now he does mostly operations, but okay. you know, we really engaged developers so that we could build our own tech. Um, we yeah. knew that there was inventory tech out there but it didn't have what we needed. It didn't have the flexibility that we were looking for. It didn't, because for us, we wanted to be able to do almost any type of storage for anyone so that we could see what works. Like we, we thought, yeah, document storage sounds good, but you know, my bet was there's so many condos here. I'm telling you that like all these condo dwellers are going to store. Like that was my big bet. Right. Um, So we wanted the flexibility to be able to, you know, build, measure, learn, and just kind of go from there. And yeah. that's kind of what we developed until now we engage. Everyone that we engage in terms of backend revolves around that, refining what we have, looking at the analytics. Like we were able to get a data scientist from, from Singapore. He's like super smart guy. We meet with him every month and he kind of tells us like what's working. He's the one that was kind of telling us, yo, the, the, the analytics is telling us to go more B2B. And so we kind of engage and go that way, right? Um, 
So that's really our philosophy in terms of what we are building. Until now, we're always constantly refining things based on that same thing. What is what's the kind of what's the data telling us to do? Correct. Exactly. And in in a startup, right? This is a lot where other uh, first types um, startup founders also fail because the biggest problem of first time entrepreneurs sometimes is that they fall in love with the idea not with the data what the data tells you right and i'm glad yeah. you're make you you have the humility to actually understand what the data tells you because a lot of why people fuck up and i did this myself is that hubris like holy shit i think i know what i'm doing i understand the problem Dude, so much. i made the same mistake right i know <laughs> I the problem the so much i know this shit so yeah, i make exactly. a mistake and then boom it hurts so what what is that mistake for you that that happened bro i was like because in Hong Kong, they had box full, right? But in right. Hong Kong, it's a mature storage environment. There's over 100 storage providers there. Maybe here, at best, 30. So it's a very young industry here. But I thought, like, all right, box storage. This is how it's going to work here. So we bought, like, hundreds of boxes. We invested on 100. Of, but it wasn't going. It, was un, it wasn't until we introduced, you know, square storing by square meter that things really started going. Because in Filipino mindset, it's bodega storage, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Correct. My number one competitor it, competitor is your your parents' house because it's free, right? How do I compete Correct. with free? But that once we opened Square Meter, people understood what we were trying to do because they didn't have to try to or organize it, put it into boxes. But that Correct. makes sense in in Hong Kong. So, you know, after that, that was really my sobering moment of like, all right, I I need to kind of do a little bit of research make a really really smart decision rather than just making it based on assumptions because that's always going to kind of lead you in the wrong way you want to work off the off of data not assumptions and and those mistakes sometimes if you invest too much too early will come come um haunting you down the road because that costs a lot of money and resources and in in startups the other thing that's very scarce is money you know, you can't you can't afford to just fucking fuck shit up like that and, and whatnot. Now I'm no. curious before we take our last break, Nick. So you went all in on this one, and a lot of startup founders want to be able to get this done. How did you how did you make ends meet? Because in in a in a startup founder, you go all in, and when you go all in, fuck nobody. You don't really want to do anything else, right? There, but you know, yeah. there's bills to pay. There's a family to feed. How do you make ends meet as a startup founder while doing Cohen? Well, you know, it's really trying different things on the side. Um, luckily enough, Cohen has been able to build enough traction so that we're able to, you know, it adds to, I guess, living a sustainable lifestyle. Um, but it's also those little ventures that I go through in the past. Like, yeah, I pretty much, you know, invested in, invested in a restaurant of my friend, Side Chick. Um, nice. So that one's just, you know, because I, I I love his cooking. Like he made really good, you know, chicken sandwiches. So I was like, nice. damn, all right, I'll invest in you. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. There's Felipe. There is uh, you know, marketing with a marketing firm with with my sister and my friends. Um, nice. So it's it's just trying all these different things. Because like one of the things that um, that Brian Koo told me when I was talking to him about Kohan is. Um, he doesn't want to look back five years from now and be like, oh, we, we, we should have done that. You know, we should have done that. Correct. So I kind of always took that to heart where if there's something there and the risk is not too great, like, why not? Why not give it a shot? Why not? Correct. If it's not going to, you know, hurt you so bad, like, try it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, 
COVID happened, so a lot of that kind of changed. But at right. the time, it was something that, you know, this is three, four years ago, like, you know, Felipe boomed, and that was so exciting and, and all of that. Um, Bring that back Manila swagger right there. Right, right? <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was, I had way too many suits at one point, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun to kind of do those things and, and all of that. No, yeah, seriously, I would get a haircut like every other day because at, at the beginning, no one was coming That's in, it. so I was just keeping our barber sharp, right, yeah. and my yeah. haircut was way too... <laughs> Way to fly. So yeah, that's good, Mick. Because again, you you're now not dependent on your uh startup for your own survival, which I made that mistake. I went all in because they always say that you know what, you should go all in on your 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 startup. And then fuck, I didn't have any other side hustle, I didn't have any other business or any source of income. And then I went really flat ass broke for two to three years. But that's good to hear that you you you've made those investments and covered your ass before you even went because a lot of the biggest mistakes also is uh of, of startup yeah. founders at the very early age is that they rely on their baby startup to fucking um uh sustain their lifestyle which is not the, should not be the case because if you always drop yeah. from from your startup then yo you're you're not going to make it all right, now Nick, let's go back. Uh, let's take a break, and then when we come back, let's no. talk about how you then pivoted into pe- the pandemic and how uh, you were able to scale. And let's talk about paying it forward to the rest of the founders and startup hustlers that listen to this podcast. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, hustlers! It's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup, because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. 
Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from break. We're still with Nick Padilla of Cajon.ph. So Nick, you now told us, you know, how you made ends meet and whatnot. Now I understand, I want to understand scaling because you're one of the few that has actually been uh, in the game and survived through because most startups fizzle out in year one, two, and you're, this is like your third, third, fourth year now, yeah. is it? Third going fourth, yeah, that's right. Oh, dude, that you're now you pass the test. Most startups die in year two. <laughs> okay, um, how you re- how were you able to scale uh, this, and how did you also pivot in the pandemic? Did that was the pandemic a blessing for you, or was it a well, was it a big hit just like everybody else? I think, well, in terms of scaling, I think our mindset of being flexible enough to pivot is really what kind of helped us grow, helped us scale. Um, we were just always looking where, you know, where was the storage telling us? What do people need? So whether it was going more B2B, whether it was kind of attacking this one, um, it was always letting the use case tell us where to go. And I think that's sort of what has allowed us to scale. Um, with the pandemic, it's hard. I mean, I hate saying that it's a blessing, but I think what's blessing is that I, I Kohan was able to survive. Like during the lockdown, yeah. we just didn't see growth, but we still had our, you know, monthly recurring revenue because you, you you pay on a monthly basis. Correct. So we were still, you know, our business model worked. And I think if anything, it it sped things up because people all of a sudden 
were stuck in the spaces they had. Correct. So we had so many inquiries and, and, um, and I think the biggest pivot for us was really opening up that sort of Airbnb of warehousing because at the time, mm. yeah, we were getting people talking to us about their, you know, big events halls being not used, right? We were getting wow. hotels talking to us about converting rooms into the storage. Wow. Um, and, you know, even like a lot of the traditional storage, like, like, um, like safe house or, or, uh, more space. Um, yeah. these are, you know, traditional storage lockers and everything like that. They would hit us up and be like, Hey, we have, you know, 30% unoccupied. They don't care who steals it. They want to be landlords and right. we'll be the provider. Um, so that's sort of the pivot. Like all of a sudden we became trying to create a convenient and simple storage experience for the user to also including the supplier, right? So I think that's been our biggest pivot. How do we become a platform now for spaces and you know connect that to, because what we're good at, what we've proven over the three years is that we're good at generating demand. We can, you know, we just need yes. to talk to people, get them to realize that they have a lot of crap and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of elegantly fit into this, you know, space thing. And so we kind of, mm -hmm. we always envisioned us having a limited amount of partners and so this sort of just worked out for us where people became a lot more open to talk about it. So we kind of just struck while the iron's hot, pivoted and focused our energies that way. And, and kind of, mm -hmm. it just falls into place. I think part of it, a lot of it's timing and luck, right? Like you said, right. um, we just see it going that way. All right, let's make it happen and go that way. Um, right. So that's really what's helped us scale and, and always stay ahead of the curve and, and make sure that we're innovating. Like we don't want to be complacent. We're always looking to improve. Um, we're always pushing each other to deliver convenience. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's at the end of the day, that's really been the success story for us. That, that That's amazing because, you know, um, one thing it's, and I always say this in a multi-sided business where there's a supply chain and a demand chain, right? It's always easy. And I always say that, that uh, I learned this from Brian too, that you do supply first. And that's easy because you can hustle to get supply. But dude, demand is a beast. And it's so hard because now you're talking to fucking users or whoever the fucking uh, uh, guys are. Because again, that's, that's, right. that, that, mar that size is more fickle-minded. And you said you're great at building demand. Right. A lot of startups struggle with this. What's your tip for for people to build demand that actually converts? Because it's easy to create hype. And a lot of people mistake engagement, likes, and all these other bullshit, yeah. the vanity metrics that people like to fucking talk about um, that say, hey, there's something <laughs> that people actually like this. But none of them converts. But for you, yeah. if, if you said you're good at demand, yeah. I'm pretty fucking sure you convert that shit. What's your secret? And how do you actually do it? You know, I I just kind of threw away the rule book in terms of all of those metrics and the, the typical marketing because I came from retail, right? Zalora, uh, even in, in working in power plant mall. So all of those metrics mattered because you're trying to engage people on a single transaction. Right. Um, with storage, it's sort of like this weird business because you're going to give me your shit. You're going to give me your money. Yep. And like, so it's such a weird thing, right? So that's why I... I when we did the initial branding and marketing, I was like, okay, we're not selling storage, we're selling space. That's why we're called space makers, space captains, because that's the product. But the reason that we're able to generate demand is because I'm not scared or we're not scared to, you know, put ourselves out there, introduce ourselves. Like I wanted people to know, like if anything goes wrong with your crap, I'm the guy to blame, right? So a lot of our branding was really 
me was a lot of us as a team. These are your space makers, um, making sure that we're talking to them as the same way that we would talk to our Tita or our Tito who needs help. Right. Um, so a lot of our engagement was really word of mouth, growing that. And you wow. see it with the reviews that people write because they'll remember the, the the field ops guy that helped them out. They'll be like, you know, right. MJ did an awesome job doing this or, you know, so all of those little things are, are just simply based on us trying to solve, really investing in the problem and then trying to let that organically grow. Mm-hmm. It's only really now that we're starting to do like digital marketing and everything because mm-hmm. I realized that we had to, we weren't selling you know, in reality, we weren't selling space. We weren't selling storage. We weren't selling space. We were selling trust. And to yeah. buy trust, they needed to know me. They needed to know who was behind it. They needed to know that these are real human beings. Um, and we're a small startup. And I think that's really what kind of snowballed things. And if you look at it, even, you know, like we have a bunch of, I hate, I hate the term, but yeah, we have a bunch of influencers in our, um, yeah. I guess, as customers are, you know, they're yeah. our clients. But, you know, Luckily enough, we've, we haven't had to pay any of them. They were just happy mm-hmm. customers of ours that wanted to post about us. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that I'm super proud about because not only did we save millions on on their you know <laughs> plug or anything like that. They are fucking expensive. They are. They're super expensive. But this page has, I just want to make sure that they fall in love with the product and they can talk about it because everyone needs right. space. Everyone wants space. Mm-hmm. That's just where we come in. No, but getting feedback is, and again, it's, it's, first of all, very hard. Feedback and referrals are very, very hard because uh, by default, users are quick to criticize, but never, it's so hard to eke out a proper, uh, you know, a proper co- commendation uh, yeah. t- towards a product. But, and, and if, if people are naturally doing that, I'm pretty sure you engineered it in a way to actually get that out because that's very valuable to get. If you're selling trust, you need to have solid use cases from other um, users to flex. Because if you don't have those, you know, uh, if you say, yeah, we're doing good, we're doing a good job. But if you don't have a use case or a proper good feedback mechanism uh, to, to flex to other potential users, then it's hard. How did you engineer it in a way that it's natural for people to actually get that feedback and for you to utilize that feedback to throw it to other potential users? I think it was just really communicating that we wanted to improve. Um, We wanted to impress them from the beginning. So, like, for me, coming from Rockwell, they try to have this concierge-like service, right? Yeah trust the concierge at a hotel you they're yeah. there to help you out they're there to make your trip more convenient your stay more convenient right. and i wanted to translate that exact same culture that mindset of rockwell to Gohan. so we're kind of like a storage concierge like i learned just like in rockwell like it's okay to send people to the competitor if they have something let's say someone came to the cinema they thought that it was the movie is going to be at a certain time but it's at the wrong time and they're with their kid you know, we'll yeah. call up Century Mall and figure out if they have the right time and we'll send them that way. Wow. And we did the same thing just to kind of create that experience. Like we wanted to invest not on the product, but really on the problem. What are they trying to do? And so they were a little bit more forgiving, but also game to share what we had to improve on. Because we were just yeah. saying it in such a way. We would send them an email saying, help us improve or, and, you know, click on this link to say something nice about us on Google and on Facebook. 
Mm-hmm. And they would because, and they would really write. So a lot of our, our reviews, I'm, I'm proud to say are, are, you know, lengthy ones. And they're not just like, this was great. Um, yeah. You know, those like typical five-star ones and then there's yeah. nothing under it. These were actual things because at the end of the day, I think space is, it, it's a luxury, but it's also a problem for a lot of people. So we had so many types of people who were, they were either getting evicted or all of a sudden they had to go home and from their dorm, they're going to the province and they had nowhere to store their stuff, right? Um, it's all of these things. And, and it just created hero moments for us. It created nice. stuff where we could step up. And so Carlos and, and myself, we were always kind of pushing, you know, if, if they were saying like, oh, this guy wants to store a car. This literally happened. It's like, this guy wants to store a car. Wow. We're like, okay, what's stopping us? And our team's like, we can't store a car. And so we looked for, you know, we found a a supplier, a guy who has like a garage that can actually service a car and all of that stuff. It didn't pull through, but we went and found someone and we were able to send them a proposal, right? Whether it's cold storage or anything like that, that allowed us to really showcase that we we cared about the problem that they had um, and that we wanted to improve them, but also improve us. And I think that approach, I think at the time, I really wanted to, us to do like, you know, the stuff that's not scalable really, really yeah, well. Correct. And I think that's what we were trying to do. We were trying to have that human element and it, it, it helped us out so that we were able to get the feedback, know what, what was right for us to do, what can we improve on, et cetera, et cetera. And um, that just helped with our other mindset of going with what the data is telling us. That's that's true because if, if people, if your users are already willing to pay for convenience, and what's stopping you from going the extra mile to actually do it with extra TLC? And that's why now it makes sense. Uh, that's why people love it because right. you, know, you really went out of your your way to, to get them. And I remember also in, in my previous life, um, this is the exact same shit that I did in Party File. I'd go outside of the club, get make people everybody make sure that everybody skips the line, everybody you know has a good time. The problem is I had a shitty um, business model, and yeah. <laughs> I wasn't paying well enough for for me to earn from getting people uh, in the club, skipping the line, and all that shit. So there, the beauty about what you guys did is you charged the right amount. Yeah. So that that convenience is well compensated for, which brings me to my next question. Let's talk about money, right? So how let's let's pay it forward to the the to the <laughs> listeners here. I want to understand what's your thing because you mentioned earlier that you're able to sustain a draw draw enough salary, still grow without going underwater. What's your advice for for people who are also or are startup founders who are also going through this right now to make sure that they they still grow and they're able to sustain what whoever's in the boat and pay for whatever you need to pay yeah that's that's see that's a that's a tough question i think a lot of it comes down to luck but also like just the team that you have and spending on the right things i think the trauma of buying all those boxes at the beginning and it not flying off the shelves and having to pivot so fast was you know it stuck with me and so after that like a lot of people were asking like oh why aren't you going to build an app why are you not going to build an app and i was like dude that's costly why am i going to build an app you don't need us the way you need spotify Right. you're going to store and then you're not going to, you're not going to window shop on storage. It's not that right. sexy. So, you know, not spending on that and, and, and it, it helped. So not spending on getting a warehouse was giving us that flexibility. We right. like now 
I think given what happened with COVID, yes, we have a lot of inquiries and everything like that, but the challenges that come with it, we are looking for that bridge round because we need to be able to keep it going and close in, uh, you know, the, the, the other rounds that are coming in. But um, I think what helped us get this far without, you know, breaking bank is, is really that being able to spend wisely in the initial years and also having a team that's willing to take on challenges and wear different hats. Yeah. Um, everyone that we hired in the beginning or everyone that we had around us was almost just like generalists, right? It's like, all right, you're going to shoot today. You're going to do this. You are literally right, going right. to put stickers on our boxes. Um, <laughs> and I think like whether it's an intern, we call our interns space cadets and then we have space wow. makers. So we would throw them on all kinds of things, right? So our interns, you know, they do stuff. We have a lot of those, like you, we have interns that, you know, ended up becoming space makers. So nice. we challenge them with things. Um, and that's really what helped us out, you know, not having to kind of scale a team or really have someone that has that higher pay grade to be able to, you know, bring in the processes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just getting creative on the spending, but also, I guess, the luck of, of, of the business also, right? If it's the right time. All right. Now, last question. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you, Brian Fu is an integral part. And I think he's a, he's a mentor and also an investor. But what's the best advice that right. Brian Ku has given you, right? Because just being in a phone call with him is like, you know, uh, it's the same experience as talking to an Ernest Koo or a, or a Dado or whatnot. Just, you can get so much out of so, 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 such a small time. But what's the best advice he's ever given you so far? I'll remember this, actually, because we were talking about, this was in the early days of Cojon, and we were in a pancake house, I think, in BGC. Yeah, we were in BGC. And Brian, when you meet with him, he's like, uh, he, sometimes he's doing so many things at the same time that he, he's not always there. So he yeah. always wants to like, I noticed he always wants to draw and, and everything that but he never has a notebook and a pen on him. So I, we, you know, we literally have like pancake, you know, table, <laughs> I paper, thought you drew on a with drawings and everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, so we were talking about the business and he kind of just shared this whole idea about trust and desperation and how there's a correlate cor- correlation between them with, with services. Yeah. I found that so interesting that he was saying like either people are going to, this is really what, what drove us to be more on that human element and, and, yeah. and everything. Because he's like, yeah, because people are either going to trust you to store with you and pay you, or they're going to be super desperate. Like they're, they're going to get evicted or you're their last option. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, yeah, we want to get to that middle point and everything like that. But I'll, you know, I'll focus here because these guys aren't going to, you know, they, they need us already. It doesn't need the TLC aspect. Mm. And for me, that's that's really what stuck out with with me. That's one of those moments where I'm just like, oh, damn, this guy's really smart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, I mean, every time I, I talk to him, there's always something to take away. But um, that one for me was really a turning point in terms of how do you how do you look at the clients? How do you strategize how you talk to them? Right? Are you trying to sell the trust part, or are you trying to solve the problem? And I thought that was such a uh, big moment for Cajon, for me right. and for Cajon uh, in terms of strategy. All right. So again, Nick, thanks very much. Uh, before I let you go, what's next for Cajon and uh, 
what are you gonna uh what do you need next by the way i'm just sharing with you if you need investment go ahead and flex it in because i've heard so many startups also get either big clients or investments through because uh they 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 got it through the podcast so if you need one go ahead and flex it the floor is yours all right sounds good because right now actually kohon.ph is looking to secure a bridge round we're actually also looking to um we're actually just looking to build on the platform what what covid has kind of brought to our attention i think that is where we want to go i think we've seen the potentials there so now it's about scaling it now we were done sort of doing what we did really well and now it's the time to create that platform now is the time to actually just want to be really bullish about things and i think that's what what we need so you know if anyone out there whether it's vc or someone that's kind of wants to get to know more about the business please you know feel free hit me up uh message me on facebook whatever let's let's talk um yeah man i, I think I, for me kohan is it's it's exciting storage after three years of doing this storage is becoming sexy so i go. think that's what's gonna happen um <laughs> that's the future There you go. Uh, just, just so you know, guys, there's a bunch of boxes at, uh, behind Nick right now. Just kidding. <laughs> no, no, it's in a nice, li- it's in a nice living room. Again, thank you very much, Nick Padilla of Kahon. Before I let you go, thank follow you us on whatever podcast yep. app that you're listening to. And again, if we did say some jargon, don't worry. We got you in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And if there, there are a lot of things that you actually want to say and be uh, one with the community of all the fellow hustlers, go to the Hustleshare community on Facebook and lastly message us on our chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbotph again Nick thank you very much thanks Ron thanks so much I appreciate it and I'll see you guys in the next episode peace